time for the Soft Shoulder Podcast. I am your host, Danette Relic of Radical Creative Sanctuary, inviting spaciousness for your mind and your heart. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. The Soft Shoulder is your time, your time to slow down and fuel up on self-love support so you can make the most of your gorgeous life. Join me here. Everyone needs a soft shoulder. Hello, welcome back, sweet listener. This episode, every episode of the Soft Shoulder Podcast is brought to you by me, Danette Relic of Radical Creative Sanctuary and Allison Tarr of techcoven.com. I recently had the thrill of being in physical company with Allison. <laughs> this used to be a regular thing. Um, and I got a reading in person and I was just reminded of her incredible, just solid Capricorn confidence and wisdom. And it was just so lovely to receive, even though I'm someone, I read my own cards on the regular. There's something different. There's something different about having someone else hold that space and offer you insights you're not seeing. Um, and I know that she can translate this amazingly through the internet as well. Um, so treat yourself over on techcoven.com to a reading uh, if you're looking for another voice that's in your corner. Um, and welcome to today. I kind of love that you're listening because, uh, you're identifying as a clever person. This is a good sign. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> oh, clever people. That's me. That's <laughs> this episode's for me. <laughs> or maybe it was just the self-sabotage part. Either way, they go hand in hand. Um, so today I want to just address this idea. I think we know what's, you know, that we sabotage ourselves and that there's a lot of different ways that people describe this, right? If you've been doing self-love, self-growth work, you've come across some term for this notion. Um, I think my first word was like gremlin. Uh, there's a book called, uh, I think, Taming Your Inner Gremlin or something like that. Um, you know, your saboteur, you might have heard that a lot. Um inner hater, inner critic, uh, limit, or just like, you know, not an actual being, but limiting beliefs, you know, <laughs> non-productive paradigms, whatever it is that you call these things. Um, we all have them. We all have this default thing in our mind that's trying to not mess with our day, even though they do. And it's annoying. Um, they're trying to keep us safe actually. So, you know, this is one of those classic, like, I didn't intend to upset you, but you still upset me. It's like, yes, they're still incredibly irritating. And their intention isn't to be irritating. Their intention is to keep us safe. Now, often they're operating with their own limits, whatever this is. I mean, that's where they're coming from, right? Um, and so safe often means small and safe often means not growing, not changing, not being open to, not believing in something more, not believing in the potential of ourselves. 
It's scared of what will happen if I become too successful? What will happen if I allow this person to love me? What will happen if I tell this other person that I love them? And what will happen if I decide to learn how to roller skate as an adult in public? What will happen if I decide to share a drawing on Instagram, even though I've never drawn anything before or for a long time? It's afraid of all these things. So it's it's got a job. I like to see it as like a bouncer and it's, you know, it's not too smart, not I'm not saying this about bouncers. I'm saying <laughs> this particular thing. It's like it's got one job. You know, it's doing that one job well. It's not thinking outside of the box. It's like, you're paying me to be a bouncer. I'm going to be a bouncer. And it's just doing, it's checking the boxes, right? So something interesting tries to get into the club of your life. And it's like, woo, it's got some wild outfit on. And bouncer's like, nope, we have a dress code. Nope, you're too exciting. We don't want you in here. This is the club of safety. I don't know what it would look like. I'm just riffing on this. Again, Note-free podcast. <laughs> you can take notes if you'd like. I have none. Um, <laughs> so, so this doing its job. Okay. So now if you've been doing this work, like I said, you came across this, maybe you had an aha moment and you're like, whoa, yeah, I have this belief that I'm not good enough. Wow. I have this belief. I, I hear this thing of who do I think I am? Who do you think you are? And it stops me. Wow. And then you like think, wow, I better do this work. And then when I do this work of, you know, shining the light on it and, you know, giving it less power and all of that, um, (laughs) did you have the belief that then it's over? (laughs) Like, oh, I just need to conquer this dragon or get past this one bouncer and then cool, party all night long. That's not how it goes. And um, this is where we get into the clever people thing because, dear listener, These lions and tigers and gremlins, oh my, these like inner saboteur things, it's not a, you're not being possessed by some demon outside of you. They are you. They are in you. It's a part of you. What that means is as you grow and evolve, as you learn how to still show up and be courageous, even though you're afraid, even though you, you're like, I'm not going to let my saboteur stop me. Um, they also grow. They also get smarter. They also adapt. These forces, these thoughts of ours, these are masters of disguise. They have to be because, you know, when we were children, maybe it was, you know, the boogeyman or whatever. And then as we get older, it's like this voice of, uh, you know, an imagined enlightened self. (laughs) It's like, you know, it's kind of easy to point your finger at the you know, the closet door and say, there's a monster in there. But to say like, I'm just trying to be too good of a person and it's getting in my way. This starts to get really complicated, right? Um, So I want to normalize the idea that your inner gremlins are shapeshifters and masters of costuming. And they have to be because if they're to do their job and they're doing their job well of protecting you, aka keeping you small, keeping you from growing, it's threatening to them, 
they have to be able to do their job. So if you see through them as the bouncer, then they'll put on some yoga pants and become your yoga teacher and say like, oh, you shouldn't want that stuff. You shouldn't want to be successful. It's like, that's not being a good person. They'll find some other way to whisper in your ear. Now, in this episode, I want to, uh, I'm going to share with you a story about one of my clever um, saboteurs, which I did not see. It was so clever. <laughs> and I'm like, because I'm so clever. <laughs> but it was so clever that it wasn't, it wasn't a voice. It wasn't a whisper. It wasn't an enlightened, you know, yoga teacher, you know, keeping me, whatever, humble. It wasn't any of that. I, once I, once I found it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I have not seen this. This has been operating for a while. And I call it the Etch-A-Sketch Gremlin. Now, I don't know if they still make those or how old you are, if you know what I'm talking about, but this is like, I don't know, 70s or 80s and beyond. There was this toy. It was like a red tablet and there was two knobs and you could draw, I mean, God, I mean, I never had one because I mean, (laughs) the limits were not inspiring to me. So one knob made the little drawing thing go up and down. One knob made it go side to side. And to get a curved line, boy, you had to really handle both knobs at the same time in a very graceful way. Uh, I prefer a pencil, but whatever. So anyway, (laughs) you do these drawings and uh, it took so much time and effort, so much effort, so much control. People did amazing drawings on these things that just blew my mind. And, um, and then when you were done the drawing to get rid of the drawing, you just shook the entire Etch-A-Sketch. So the whole tablet, you'd get it in your hands and you'd shake it and you'd hear this sound. And then all of the drawing would kind of disappear and you could start over on a blank slate. Um, so you had to be careful with it. You can't accidentally, you know, have your kid sister go running off with it if you're, while you're working on a drawing because the movement of the Etch-A-Sketch would erase the work. It would erase the effort. It would erase all evidence of your artistic talent on the Etch-A-Sketch, right? So my clever saboteur evolved into this Etch-A-Sketch energy where every once in a while I'd be doing really great. I would be like, wow, like, you know, um, going further along on a project that I've never done before, deciding to write a book for the first time in my life, being like, you know what, maybe I really will actually write a book and not a blog post. Um, Maybe I will open up my own business. Maybe I will have this bold conversation. Maybe I will stop apologizing (laughs) for things I don't need to be apologizing for. And, you know, making these progress, having these little moments of being proud like, wow, I really did that. That's so cool. Um, and then it's like it never freaking happened. And so I would wake up the next day forgetting what I did, forgetting all the research I did, forgetting what I was proud of, forgetting that I used to not be this way, like forgetting my progress, forgetting that like I once, you know, wasn't working for myself or didn't think I could be a coach, right? Didn't, it was terrified to make phone calls. People, I will tell you on another podcast, (laughs) this embarrassing story about 
how afraid I was to get on the phone. Okay, it's too late. I'm going to tell you the story. So (laughs) I was so afraid of speaking on the phone. My work right now is entirely done on the phone. Um, not only on the phone, but like I'm in a position where like I'm there to serve people. Like it matters. It's not just some random phone call. Like it's, it's an important phone call. When I was younger, the idea of making a cold call or just getting on the phone other than chatting with my girlfriends, um, was like terrifying to me. I ordering a pizza (laughs) was terrifying to me for a very long time. I mean, like you know, in college, like it was just like, if I, I found sneaky ways to offer to do other things, I'll go get the paper towels and you, could you just make the phone call and I'll do this? You know, like I would find other ways to just not be in the room when the phone call needed to be made so much so that this is terrible. So much so that I was babysitting this one time and I was babysitting this girl who had the same thing because I asked her, I'm like, hey, do you want to make the phone call? Like, so great. This is awful. I'm not proud of this. And I was like, hey, do you want to make the phone call? And she didn't want to. Some kids would love the opportunity to make the phone call. <laughs> she, she didn't. And then I ended up coaching her into making the phone call, like the way I should have been coaching myself, right? About like, oh, this is so important. And like, you're going to feel so much better when you do this. <laughs> this is awful when I was a teenager. Anyways, um... And, and I, and I still managed to like not make that phone call. Okay. So cut to this manipulative teenage tactics of avoiding doing something that scares me to coming home from my first coach training weekend. And the homework was to coach someone for the first time on the phone. I did that. And now I'm doing it all the time. And now I love being on the phone with someone. I love calling someone. I love, this is not scary. So the edge of sketch just erases that entire storyline. And what happens when that storyline is gone? Well, what's there to be proud of? If I don't remember, if that whole pizza ordering story goes away, um, I'm just doing, I'm just making phone calls. No big deal, but it is a big deal compared to where I came from, right? So um, I want you to just sort of look around and see if you have a version of this. I call it the Etch-A-Sketch for what I, that was the first thing that came to mind. Also, I love the little sound because it, it also brings some playful humor to it. When I notice it happening, I'm like, aha, and I make the sound. So we'll see what it evolves into next. But, um, you know, it could be anything. It could be, it could be like a ghost. It could be, I don't know whatever playful image speaks to you. See if you have something like that, that's invisible, that's undetectable and um, has been coming in and creating, maybe it's a fog that comes swirling in, a very beautiful fog and it's all like rainbow clouds, but it is stopping you from seeing what's really important. It is stopping you from actually having a view of your landscape of where you've come from, where you want to go, right? This is so important. So do you have one of these? If so, don't worry. I'm not going to leave you in the fog. I'm going to tell you what's been really helpful for me dealing with my... (laughs) I should have had a little rattle, but I think the vocal thing will be better. Um... (laughs) 
Um, one of the things that's been the most, uh, like the most effective thing has been a weekly practice I've been doing with an accountability buddy. Now, if you can do this with someone else, it really ups the ante. It's really powerful. That's one of the reasons, one of the many things that's really great about having a coach is that this is built into that thing that you're forced to get into this habit and be accountable to someone, have a witness for it, right? Um, but if you don't have a coach, you're not working with someone like that, you can also get a friend on board and it can be something as a daily text, a weekly text, an email, whatever. So basically what I've been doing, I have a, uh, a dear old friend. We've been, uh, we created this accountability buddy, uh, structure for the past, Ooh, it's over three years now, every single week. And what's funny about this partnership is that we don't need both people on board. Okay. So like we, she and I have a phone call every week and we check in about what we're doing and where we're going to go. And we make, you know, verbal commitments out loud to each other. Um, and then we check back in and, uh, and see how things went. And mostly it's like an environment of compassion, not like, you know, you didn't do your homework finger wag. Cause the important part is that we keep showing up, right? So we have this phone call situation and I have added in a written component. So the night we speak on Mondays, the night before we speak, I send her an email. Hi, Kelly. (laughs) I send her an email and I have a list of things I'm proud of, a list of what I have accomplished that week. Um, And then it used to just be what's next, like what I'm committing to next. I added a section after doing this for a year and a bit, I added a section of serendipity and gratitude and magic or something. I forget what I called it um, because it was starting to come up a little more and I wanted to just sort of take note. Like there was this weird thing that was happening where I would be writing, journaling. This was when I was out at coffee shops and not (laughs) in my home. And um, I would be writing something. And as I wrote the word, I'd hear the word, either from a person at another table, from a song lyric, or if I was alone, it would happen with um, like a podcast or an audiobook, like the exact moment, almost like I was transcribing. And it was happening often enough that I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I'm loving it. And I wanted a way to track it. So I added a section, but you can just have the first section, what I'm proud of. I highly recommend this. It is challenging if you're not used to acknowledging yourself for what you know what you're proud of that week there's always something right we're always looking for evidence for what's going on and so if you've got a list to make of what I'm proud of you might start going oh okay it's like tossing things in your basket to get ready for that list because someone is expecting that list now Kelly doesn't send me those emails Uh, Because this is something that I wanted to do and I didn't need her buy-in. I just needed her permission to say, may I send you this? Like she's doing me the favor of, I don't, I even said, you don't even have to read it. Though she does because she's awesome and it's really nice. But she doesn't even need, she doesn't even need to. That wasn't the point. The point was I wanted her to um, expect it so that I knew she was expecting it. And that was keeping me accountable. It's like, I told Kelly I'd sent her this email, so I'm going to. But it wasn't about her opinion. It's not about if she's, you know, I think I said, oh, she's nice, so she reads it. That's that's actually, I take that back. She is nice. That has nothing to do with this <laughs> at all. And it's not nice to read it. It's like, um, 
it's not about her, right? So she's just doing me the favor of like, you know, holding the net while I like shoot for, I don't know. <laughs> Why am I trying to give a sports metaphor? I don't even know what sport I'm talking <laughs> Do people hold the net up? I don't know. Anyways... It's really just about the accountability. So why I'm why I'm babbling on about this is because um, you don't need these conditions like, well, I don't really have anyone I can do that with. Well, yeah, nobody else wants to do this with me. They don't have to. All you need is someone that you trust to send them to, right, for the accountability part. Um, and also you don't have to do that. It's just, it's great if you do. And... Um, they might want to, right? So like there might be someone who's not listening to the soft shoulder, not journaling and like wanting to like deconstruct their inner saboteurs, a friend of yours who just would be really curious and really interested in doing this, but their, you know, their attention is elsewhere. And then you come along being like, hey, I'm doing this thing. I need to make a list every week of what I'm proud of, or you could structure it like one thing every day. Um, do you mind if I text you at the end of every day, one thing I'm proud of, you don't even have to respond, but I just need a place to put it. There's probably someone in your life who would happily receive that. And I have to say, as someone who receives that on the regular from my clients and friends over the years, like it's wonderful. I love hearing what people are proud of. And I love the permission that people give to broaden the definition of what qualifies as belonging in that category, right? Like here's the thing that happens where it's like, if you think, this is what it'll illuminate. If you think you can't come up with something every day to be proud of, because you have, you know, maybe you're uncovering a limiting belief about like, well, it has to be a major accomplishment. Like, you know, can you be proud of the fact that you wrote a book if the book is not published? Um, yes. Can you be proud of like, um, you know, showing up to write that day and all you did was stare at the computer and think about your book and you felt like blocked for whatever reason, but you just, you sat at the computer. Can you be proud of showing up at that computer? Absolutely. Big time. That is to me like... Um, not more impressive, but as if not more <laughs> impressive than like the things that we all commonly recognize as accomplishments, right? To actually show up and to sit there and just to be with what's there is like, it's still you being committed to this. I want to be a writer. I'm not really sure how to do this. I don't even have anything to say today, but I'm showing up anyway. Are you kidding me? You should be incredibly proud of that. So it'll start, what this does, if you have an Etch-a-Sketch gremlin like me, is it's find it's keeping it fresh in your mind that yes, you have reasons to be proud and that yes, you have done a lot of things and it has you looking at yourself through this lens of celebration. What can I celebrate? What am I proud of? I have to say, after you doing this for like almost three years, this particular format, What's really interesting to me is the difference between what I'm proud of and what I've accomplished. And it was so helpful. There would be times where I had a lot to be proud of and I hadn't accomplished anything. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just really great feedback because there was a project I wanted to move forward on and I wasn't taking those actions to move something into existence. Um, I was doing a lot of things I was proud of and I was like, okay, this is wonderful. Next week, I'm going to, I'm going to check in and make sure that like, what, what do I want to be reporting on next week? You know, do I want to say I moved you know, I wrote another chapter or I made a phone call I've been avoiding that I would put in the accomplishment category. Um, And then in the other direction, you might have a whole lot of accomplishments. Are you not proud of any of those? That might give you insight into uh, where some self-compassion is needed of how you need to look at like, well, what will it take for you to feel or note something? Because they might be the same. Sometimes I do that. You know, I'll report to Kelly that I completed a chapter. It's an accomplishment. And I can also put in the proud category, I am so proud of my persistence in getting this done, right? So the accomplishment is the thing that you can measure and check off. The What I'm proud of is what it took to get there, what it took from you to get there, right? So in that thing about someone, you know, showing up and not writing anything, it won't make it to accomplishment. The accomplishment could be I, you know, I showed up to my writing desk between noon and one, like I said I would. If that was the commitment, that is an accomplishment, right? And then the pride is that like, you know, I was judging myself harsh for not getting any words down and I stayed. Oh, like, do you, do you get the difference? So Having the two categories, I I recommend this because it's just an interesting exercise in what what categories you're focused on and in how you define, how you define what is an accomplishment and what is something to be proud of. So I learned a lot about myself just by doing this. I also have a written record. So I'm not saying the Etch-A-Sketch doesn't still come in. It does. It's really good. It's <laughs> it's really good. It's like a really compatible chess partner. You know, I'm like, oh man, I admire your moves. That just gets <laughs> this is really wonderful. And by me doing this accountability email to Kelly, I have a written record. I have proof. I have backups because you can't back up an etch a sketch as far as I know. <laughs> Maybe there's a digital app for the etch a sketch, but back in the day, that was it. Once you shook it, it's gone right? So now, even on the days when I feel blank, even on the days when I feel like, have I helped anyone? Like, bullshit. Of course I have. But there's days where it happens. That's how powerful these things are. There's days where I just, I'm just like, maybe I've done nothing. And I know that's a joke. But the thought still happens. So now I have something I'm like, oh, Well, I know where I can go to disprove that because I have three years of emails listing how proud I am of the coaching I did, how like grateful I am about the, you know, praise I've gotten for something that I've done, for an impact that I've done, Um, how proud I am to see like all of these things, right? So like I have written proof. So I highly recommend this practice. Now, I'm, I've am i been talking a lot about accountability specifically with someone. If that's not what you want, um, you don't have to do it, 
right? You can send yourself the email. It's just nice. You can search it. It's all there in one spot. You could keep like a Word doc, what, however you want, or a journal, a paper journal if you'd prefer. Um, you could do it there. Um, I know a lot of people who, with their accountability buddy, they just do a daily check-in. Like they set an intention at the beginning. They send it, you know, they just text. And you don't need to have a big conversation. You don't need to have a weekly phone call. The key here too is to make it easy. Make it easy, make it forgivable, right? So, you know, have I missed a week? Yeah. Um, Have some (laughs) of my check-ins been a little slim and some been more abundant? Yeah. Um, And then I just come back, you know, it's okay. Um, There's no punishment. It's just purely for my benefit. And I will say, I'm incredibly proud of this practice. I'm incredibly grateful for this practice. And it is an amazing accomplishment to stick to something every single week, thereabouts, (laughs) um, for almost three years. Um, I like to move between practices. I really like to kind of see what I need, tweak what I need, uh, change things up. I am not the kind of person who responds really well to a um, boot camp approach to personal growth. I like to change things up. It keeps me interested. This ever since I started talking about this, my whole body's been wiggling around. I find this really funny. <laughs> I like to keep it loose and I'm just like dancing. Um, this is what keeps me motivated, right? This is strategic. If I try to do a morning routine the way you know, someone in the self-help world has said, this is the ultimate thing that successful people do. And this is the time successful people wake up. And this is how many gratitudes and how many journal pages and, you know, jumping jacks or whatever. Um, It's the fastest way to have me check out. (laughs) I know this about myself. So it's strategic to keep it pleasurable, to keep it doable, to keep it malleable, forgivable, agile, splashy. Okay. This is my style. What style works for you will work for you. Pay attention. And this could be a wonderful way to design your um, your your antidote to the Edge-a-Sketch gremlin category. Um, set yourself up for success. You know, um, the accountability, of course, it it's it's really helpful for a lot of people. Uh, Gretchen Rubin's, you know, book, The Four Tendencies, talks about the, these, there's groups, four different groups of, um, that what we have in common is how we respond to expectations, inner and outer expectations. And from all of the research that she's done, most human beings really do thrive from accountability, outer accountability. Okay. So if you can do inner accountability, awesome. Outer accountability just is a good self-loving way to uh, make it work. And um, imagine, is there someone in your life, dear listener, that would like, that you'd like to hear what they're proud of? Is there someone you'd want to invite into this? It's an opportunity to do that. You know, maybe you've had a coworker you haven't seen since you're working from home now. Um, Maybe that's a fun way to kind of keep in touch. You know, it's definitely a great way to get to know somebody. Um, and it's just been a really rewarding practice. So um, maybe in this in the future, I'll have another updated podcast about how my Etch-a-Sketch gremlin evolved into something else. In the meantime, this is what I'm doing to make sure 
that even though the Etch-A-Sketch Gremlin comes to play and comes to delete anything I'm proud of, any progress I've made, anything that's going to help me dream bigger and take more chances and say yes to opportunity and take care of myself, anything that's going to, you know, get in the way. Um, I have this list. I have proof that the Etch-A-Sketch is mistaken. <laughs> Well-intentioned, but mistaken. Okay. So you clever people, have fun with this. Um, while we're talking about um, exercises or things you can do to combat saboteurs, if you haven't done it, one of the most common ones is to just create a character. To be like, you know, I mentioned, you know, a yoga teacher. I've definitely had the yoga teacher saboteur. I don't know about you. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, like, what kind of voice do they have? Are they like a, a monster? Are they um, perfect, you know, <laughs> in quotations? Um, are they very spiritual? Are they condescending? Are they panicking? Are they like Oscar the Grouch? Or are they like Regina George, you know, like what kind of voice typically gets in your head? So it's fun to give them a name, describe them as a little character, as a puppet, as a something else, and to draw what they look like. Even if you like drawing's not your thing, it doesn't matter. Um, just scribble out like a childlike stick drawing of this thing. Uh, it can be really fun to, again, like the disarm the seriousness of this, there are, I know that it's very painful and real to be uh, the way we sabotage ourselves. I know. And that's why using playfulness, laughter, weird little caricatures, it, what it does, why that drawing exercise is so popular and effective is that it takes that inner voice and it moves it outside of you. Because if it has a name, if it's like, you know, I don't know, Barbara, and it's like, you know, Barbara, the like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, so if it's like that, if it's some mean girl hater, um, having it outside of you, knowing what the voice is, knowing what the thing is, what are the catchphrases, right? Like if you had a doll, let's say like, um, uh, you had a little doll of this gremlin with the string in the back that you pull and it would like, you know, kind of like, uh, what's that toy story, the cowboy, what's his name, you know, and, uh, you pull it and there'll be like, you know, five phrases that it says, right. Um, <laughs> probably not. There's a snake in my boot, but probably something like, who do you think you are? You're not really a writer. Nobody loves you. It's why bother dreaming about something? It's not going to happen. Good things happen for them, not for you. Meditation works for them, not for you. You're so special that nothing works for you. What kind of horrible things is your saboteur saying? So that's a nice um, other exercise. So if you haven't, if you don't have the Etch-A-Sketch and you have some other cleverly disguised thing in the in a creature form um, that you haven't tried that yet, go for it. And because they evolve, if you've done this work before, if you drew a little monster or a little gremlin of, you know, saboteur voices before, it's worth trying again. Because as I said, they do change. They do shift. Um 
How has it shifted? What is new about what this little this little very well-intentioned piece of garbage, what it's saying to you, what's different, what's it been saying lately. The sooner that you can get it out of yourself, the sooner you can laugh at it, the sooner you can recognize when it's happening because you'll go, oh, that's that voice. That's not the truth. This voice often likes to disguise itself as the voice of reason. So it can be very sneaky If you think it's reasonable to not have a dream, if you think that it's just common sense and it's just reasonable to not love yourself that much, not that much, that's too much. Who's saying that? Where's that voice coming from? Who's profiting off of that voice? Right? This is why it's important to listen. And the more that you can take this out of your body onto a page where you can see it, the more you can make a joke out of it or have a character involved or a etch-a-sketch involved, um, the more you're able to see it clearly and to be free of it or just to be free of it a little faster. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please, if you have any insights, if you've discovered new things about your inner saboteur, I would love to hear them. You can email me at Danette at RadicalCreativeSanctuary.com. I'd love to hear what benefits you got from this episode in particular. And uh, until next time, you are someone worth loving. It all starts with you. Take good care and we'll talk to you soon.